You guys should hear how many different ways I try to start this show, but in the end, I just like, hello, friends, and welcome to episode 586 of the Juice Box Podcast. See, it's simple and easy. On today's episode of the Juice Box Podcast, Carol is with us. Carol's from the Canada, the Canada, the Canadian. I just mix Canadian and Canada together. Somehow I was going to say, Carol's Canadian, or Carol's from Canada. And instead I said, Carol's Canada. Oh, it's too late now. I would have made that the title. Damn it. Anyway, while you're learning about Carol, remember that nothing you hear on the Juice Box podcast should be considered advice. Medical or otherwise. I've lost my rhythm. Please, uh, what are you going to do? I mean, oh my God. Please consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan or becoming bold with insulin. I guess I don't know it as much as I can just say it after I start it. That's interesting. Please remember. Wow, that's weird. Now I'm thinking about it. Stop thinking. While you're listening, please remember that nothing you hear on the Juice Box podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan or becoming bold with insulin. That's it. Thinking is my greatest enemy. This show is sponsored today by the glucagon that my daughter carries, Gvoke Hypopen. Find out more at gvokeglucagon.com forward slash juice box. This episode of the podcast is also sponsored by Touched by Type 1. Learn more about them on their Instagram or Facebook pages and at touchedbytype1.org. Yeah, I wish I was where you were. <laughs> why is that? It's cold here. Oh, oh, I hate the cold. I don't know why you're anywhere cold. It's a ridiculous idea. You should leave right away. Oh, we had snow three days ago. Like, Where are you-ish? I'm in northern, like northeast New Brunswick. Pretty much... Within an hour, I can get to Quebec. Yeah. I mean, but I'm that, on like the side of Newfoundland. But I'm originally from Halifax, Nova Scotia. Actually, those are all places. I'm just kidding. I they are actually. If you know um, Sydney Crosby, yes. Trailer Park Boys, they're all from my hometown, Cole Harbor. Really? Yes. You got surprisingly yes. You got Sydney Crosby and the Trailer Park Boys. Yeah. It's a nice mix. And actually, a couple other people like classified. A lot of people know his music up here. We all camp together as kids at the same campground. And uh, yeah, Canada actually is a pretty small place in a way. No kidding. Yeah, I'm from Philadelphia. I think I'm supposed to hate Sidney Crosby. So <laughs> It's okay. Most Canadians don't like him either. Oh, really? What a wonderful Yeah. Time. You know, it's funny. We're recording. I'm just going to tell you that I was standing in a, um, a, a tunnel with my son yesterday. And he's hitting and we're getting done. And then uh, we started talking about different things and talking about how once you make it to Major League Baseball, you're basically one of the best, like, 1,000 baseball players on the planet. And, mm -hmm. how, and how we watch them and then just openly mock them for sucking. And you're like, wait, what? <laughs> They're so much better than everybody else. Uh, and, I just, <laughs> and then I just thought, oh my God, can you imagine you starting when you're four or five years old and you make it, you're 23, you're standing out in the field and gets quiet for a second before a pitch and just hear somebody yell at you, you suck. And you're like, 
my whole life, you know, and then I was just, that made me think of it when you said just comes crashing down at that one person. Well, when you said like, you know, nobody likes Sidney Crosby, I was like, he's a good hockey player. Like what else does he is a good hockey player, but I guess what a lot of people don't like about him is he's not as rough and rugged. So when Don Cherry kind of outed them at the start and called him a hot dog player, it kind of stuck with him because, you know, Don Cherry before his whole outing there was, um, you know, everybody loved Don Cherry. So when he said something, you know, and he was young and no one really took him seriously. And hmm. yeah, it's I, just. Can I thank you um, before we get started? And I got to figure out your microphone's a little poppy, but uh, you said about already, which I really appreciated. And if you can do that a couple more times during the hour. Oh, don't worry. You will hear that multiple times <laughs> along with other weird Canadian words, I'm sure. Thank you. What kind of a mic are you using? Because you're a little poppy, like you're like, it's weird. Is it just- I'm using the one that came with my phone oh. that paid, you know, I paid $700 for the phone. So you would assume that the microphone would be half good. <laughs> Did you have hair touching the phone by any chance? Not at all. Okay. All right. We're good then. So we record the, you know, you're being recorded the whole time. So, you know, awesome. I hope you have a beeper because sometimes, you know, I might drop the odd bomb. Oh, I'll just cut the word out. I, um, perfect. Yeah. I, I gave up on the beeping uh, about a year ago. <laughs> so much work it's, it just really is like you have to because you basically you're doing double the work you're cutting out Very true. you're cutting some of the audio out right so you can't hear but it would word. be kind of fun to hear someone like me go on a rant and all you heard was beep boop boop beep boop boop and beep boop 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 uh, happened a couple of times that uh, would be kind of fun yeah, for a moment anyway for a moment yeah all right so you you introduce yourself and then we start talking any way you want to be known meaning by the way you don't need to use your full name if you don't want to stuff like that well, my name is Carol. I'm from Halifax, Nova Scotia, in your guys' northern neighbor there, Canada. And I now live in a little place called Nigawak, New Brunswick. Wait, Nig- how I found the podcast and yep. how pretty much my story would be is I work as a carpenter and a roofer. That's my one of my multiple trades, plus I'm self-employed. And all of a sudden, one day, I started not feeling good. And then I have multiple autoimmune diseases. So for like eight years, everything always got blamed on that. Even blood work, they would say, you know, it's a little off because of this or because of this medication. And, you know, finally something didn't match. So I kind of crashed and ended up in the ER and, you know, went through the whole battle of our free healthcare Canadian fun up here. And luckily I actually found this podcast very quickly. Because I'm the kind of person who goes on Facebook and, you know, puts out that post and joins 1500 groups and pretty much, you know, finds everything. And your podcast actually came up a lot of times. So I figured I'd jump on. And honestly, compared to what we get up here in Canada for information, it was something even my doctors and my nurses didn't even understand because if you're an adult up here and you get diagnosed with diabetes, they automatically assume type two. And I'm sure it's the same way in America. Sure. But in Canada, we have very limited resources, period, let alone if you get diabetes. So down there, I noticed you guys, you know, you have camps and stuff that, that would be, I think they should have adult camps where we all get together with a case of beer and, you know, just, 
bitch about our diabetes. Carol, can I stop you for a second? I have to ask you a question. You're not yes. you're not building something right now, are you? No, that's actually a woodpecker outside no, of my that, I'm not, uh, my sheet. <laughs> I'm not hearing that. Are you maybe <laughs> are you maybe touching stuff while you're talking or moving around or anything? Because I'm hearing like a lot of scraping and like like little no no you're well, I, I think my microphone might have moved a bit i'll hold it right. so it doesn't move there that's weird no i really maybe it's just that you're so far away and in the middle of a frozen tundra that could be it, it's so. quite possible yeah well and we we won't harp on it but i just want to make sure that you're not um some people get like they move their hands or they rub things they don't realize they tap on the I mean, like a fidgety no surprisingly i'm actually not too fidgety since you complained you know <laughs> that you couldn't hear my microphone so I i'm trying you. to be like all like you know, still and still like talk. But unfortunately, I am a hand talker, so I might twitch a bit. So I, I apologize. Oh, no, for don't, that. don't apologize. You just, it, there's <laughs> a little bit of noise while you're talking, and I don't want people to miss what you're saying. And- but there is like four woodpeckers just going crazy outside in the woods right now. So I don't know if you're getting that as a background noise, but. Well, I wish you wouldn't have said four woodpeckers going crazy this early in the episode because. <laughs> goddamn solid title for your episode (laughs) (laughs) um anyway um okay so you let me make sure i understand so you go in and you know you you said you have a lot of other autoimmune issues that came prior so what other ones do you have i have a condition called ankylosing spondylitis i'm being diagnosed for lupus i have fibromyalgia rheumatoid arthritis I have psoriasis. I have a condition called Buell's pemphigoid. Um, I learned I had Hashimoto's thyroid disease um, right before I got diagnosed, actually, a couple months beforehand. Um, what else? I have anemia. I know I'm missing some. Could you just list the autoimmune diseases you don't have? Would that be easier? Honestly, I think it would be, but okay. some of them, I can't even pronounce myself, some of them. Like, there's a couple in there. Oh, um, Renault syndrome, the one where your fingers turn white. Mm-hmm. That's a fun one. How old uh, are you? I'm 41 right now. How long have you had these things? In the past 10 years, they all started coming up. Pro- Actually, about 12 years. Right after I had my middle child. Mm, baby birthing. And that's what I honestly, yeah. I tell her all the time she sucked the life out of me. She's a teenager now. May I say, she's I, 16. I don't believe you're supposed to tell them that. I do though, unfortunately. It's okay though. She understands because she believes it herself. Like her father agrees. Like, you know, she she's fun. (laughs) But I'm very proud of her. She's on Team Canada for cheerleading. So she has, you know, even though she's been a pain in my bum, she has done big things. Very nice. That's uh, that's nice. Okay. So prior to this this first thing happening, end of your twenties, nothing going on. You just were nothing. I was actually at the time working as an automotive mechanic and life was great. I had uh, two small kids. Actually, I had my first kid very young. And after my second kid, I had always complained about back pain. And they checked me for everything. And they told me that my sugars were kind of elevated, but where I was pregnant, they weren't too concerned. And life went on. I was very active. So nothing really came up just a lot of nausea but they always blamed being pregnant on that Hmm. so had my baby went back to work and you know everything was fine and then about two years later then i started getting the not feeling right 
and they told me I had anemia. And at that time, it was anemia, and they just told me I had arthritis. What'd they do for the anemia? Nothing. They told me to eat some more iron, a lot more red meat, and pretty much, you know, I've always eaten right anyways. I'm not a big takeout person. We do a lot, you know, I mean, like, we do a lot of home gardening and stuff like that. So if we don't get it ourselves, we always get it from a market. Like, we're pretty healthy eaters. So mm-hmm. I never really thought of food or anything. And, you know, again, life went on. So five or six years goes by and the pains are getting worse. Now they're telling me I, after MRIs and stuff, and you wait a while up here for this, by the way. So if you complain about a pain today, and you're not dying. You wait about 12 months to get an MRI. Is that the free healthcare and that everybody here wants? So that badly? is the free healthcare <laughs> that everybody wants up here. So, I mean, some provinces are better than others, mm-hmm. but unfortunately on the East Coast, ours is not. So if you complain today, they just give you painkillers. And they'll usually start as naproxen or something and they, you know, tell you to, you know, limit your daily, you know, everything and you know wait for your appointment so when the year comes up you'll get your mri your cat scan or whatever it is you're going in for even simple blood work like if you get blood work today we'll say mm-hmm. it's about two months sometimes to get into a doctor to get the results of that blood work That's so just... now you think about it if you complain today about a problem you wait a year for an mri that mri now takes about you know two months sometimes for the doctor to get back unless it's, you know, really, really, really bad. Mm-hmm. And then to get into their office. Now you're talking anywhere between six to eight weeks to get an appointment to get blood work. Now you're up to two years for something started bugging you two years ago. Yeah. And then when you have so, a number of different things going on then that process, happens exactly. over and over. And then you get, you'll get to a doctor and they'll be like, Ooh, that doesn't sound, and you'll wait all this time. And then they'll be like, that doesn't sound like me. You should go see this doctor instead. Oh, and then you got to do it again. So to get to a rheumatologist to get diagnosed with ankylosing spondylitis, which is it's a deformity that will happen in your spine. It's kind of if you ever see people who are as they get older, they're very hunched over mm-hmm. and their you mean their shoulders are pronounced and you know they have a hard time walking, very seized up. Yeah. That's what it is. Actually, the lead singer of Imagine Dragons has it. Looking at I can't right think now. of his name, but he does have it. It's an, anf- and, um, it's an inflammatory arthritis affecting the spine and large joints. That sounds right. Yeah. More common among men, usually begins in early adulthood, typically. Yeah, do yeah. you know why they say it's more common among men? Because women because don't complain the nickname as much. Of it is, well, the nickname of it is called the working man's disease. So I've been doing trades since oh. I was 18 years old. And when I say trades, like up here, we call anything, you know, I mean, like building or fixing anything that's a trade. So I have multiple licenses in different kinds of trades over the years. Mm -hmm. So I started off as an automotive technician. I did exhaust fabrication. Then I moved on to carpentry, cabinetry, roofing. And then now I kind of do art with carpentry. Plus I run a small business based off of different art and stuff with which i make mm-hmm. but you're always working with your hands leaning forward like exactly that, that kind of so on your feet. they never really with women they don't really think of diagnosing us like women 
it's very hard to get a diagnosis with it. They'll usually tell you a fibro or do you know I mean something? Mm-hmm. It's it's a certain blood marker, I guess. It's an HLA B27 marker. It's all in the same lines as diabetes with the whole HLA family. And uh, and autoimmune diseases come in pairs. So usually if you get one, you'll get two. And if you get another one, another one's going to come along. Hmm. That's what I've learned over the time. But the problem up here is, is if you want to learn anything besides basic, you have to do it yourself. Okay. So example, when I got, when I got sick with diabetes, before I actually got diagnosed last year, when COVID started in the end of February, we all got really, really, really sick, but COVID wasn't here yet. Mm -hmm. So my spouse and our daughter they didn't get as sick as I did. So I went into the hospital and they told me I had an upper respiratory infection and they gave me an antibiotic and they told me to go home. So I went home with the antibiotic, but nothing really happened. But because of COVID, you don't want to go back in because, I mean, they make it seem like you shouldn't unless you have COVID. So I sat and waited and I guess between the time the antibiotic ended. And when I actually went into DKA, I had a kidney infection because my blood sugar was so high, Mm -hmm. but no one ever checked my blood sugar because I don't look. And this is what they told me is I don't look like a diabetic because for 40 at the time I was just before my 41st birthday, I'm in shape. I work, you know what I mean? Like I don't, and their eyes up here, an adult who's diabetic, you're overweight, you're lazy. It's very stereotypical Mm -hmm. and they automatically assume you're type two. So when I get really sick, no one really paid attention to it. They just kept telling me it was something else. So I called my doctor and said, I'm having a really hard time breathing. My chest hurts, you know, blah, 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 blah. But because of COVID, she couldn't see me in the office. So over the phone, she told me I had asthma. And then two days later, I drove myself to the hospital and they told me, my blood sugar was 20, was it 28? It was 28 point something. I don't know what it is in your guys' American terms. I'll tell you in a second. And my A1C was 18.3. Jesus. Okay, hold on. And they didn't understand how I drove myself there, let alone waited in the waiting room for six hours and was still coherent when I got to them. Yeah. What did you say your but blood sugar was? 28? It was 28 point something. And and what did they have your A1C at? Eighteen point three. And I hadn't eaten in a day or so because I was so nauseous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so and your blood were, sugar was like for people listening that don't use that scale. Um, her blood sugar was over five hundred. That's crazy. And it had been like the, that a long time. If her A1C was that high too. Yeah, what they had told me was is that because of my job and because of the fact that I'm active. I was always burning the over amount of sugar off and keeping my body in a fight or flight mode. Mm -hmm. And then when COVID hit, everyone lost their jobs. So even though I was eating good, I was still eating carbs. Sitting still, not moving around as much, not working as hard. Exactly. Because we weren't allowed out of our houses. Like if you wanted to walk your dog, you had to stick in a certain block radius. It was, and this was right in March. Mm-hmm. It was one person per family. 
to go grocery shopping or anything like that. Like it was very, you couldn't do anything. And at the time we lived in the city and we had a very small yard. And when I say small yard, like, I mean, it was literally our house, a driveway and a pile of the sod for grass. Mm -hmm. So you couldn't do much. So going from working 12 hour days, five to six days a week, plus coming home and being busy, that didn't happen anymore. So I wasn't, so I was just ticking, you know I mean? Tick, tick, and just building up, building up. So when we couldn't work in March, it was, you know, three or four months, it was just building up. And I guess that's why I was so high. They told me, right. No, it makes makes sense. They described it as I was really sweet is pretty much like that's just those that's because of the the sap the the, what do you guys put on the pancakes um maple syrup yeah that's it that's what you don't understand and like I put that shit on everything (laughs) like I put it on my rice like this is before I got diagnosed you know what I mean so literally I put maple syrup on bacon I put it on rice I put it on eggs I put it on I dip my French fries in it. Like literally like it, everything like I love, we even in the winter time, if you know someone with a tap, you can pour it on the snow and you can make your own candy with it. So you roll it up on a sucker stick and it's like a maple taffy. You got to move you people somewhere warmer so you can find other things to do. (laughs) Yeah. But with the cold comes the fun. Like we have four wheelers up here. Like we have our own land in the middle of, play kind of like the back roads up here. So mm-hmm. up here I can jump on my four wheeler and I can go more places than I can in my car. Or if you have a snowmobile up here, you can literally make it anywhere. Like it there's a good with the bad. Yes. But we also live in a fishing village. The ocean is right beside me. So I'm willing to almost freeze to death sometimes to be able to experience all that too. Because wow. in the city we didn't have that. So well, that sounds nice. I mean, honestly, outdoors is nice. I'm teasing, but uh, the cold is insane. And um, oh, you're in what, Florida? No, I'm in New Jersey. Okay. Yeah, and you're I, even still warmer than us. Oh yeah, and it's way warmer here, and I don't think yeah. it's warm enough here. So uh, that's that's really <laughs> well, you've been on. So you've been on. You've been on quite a, a journey for the last ten or so years. Well, it's not even like the little bit I told you. That's not even the start of it. So when I made it to emerge. I would, like I said, I was, they told me I was in DKA, mm-hmm. but because of COVID, I was sent home within 12 hours with a prescription for metformin. They had done a GAD test, a C peptide and something else. And they told me to go home and wait for results. So they sent me home with metformin and insulin Lantus to use as directed but no one gave me any direction because I hadn't seen an endo team. And then I had Humalog again, uses directed, but again, no one, gave, all they told me was 10 units at each of my meals. Hmm. But I don't always eat. What, you mean like, wait, I don't what did eat you do 10 that? units of food. I'm trying to imagine what you do. So you're holding prescriptions that say uses directed on them, which is what they all say. And then no one helps you with what that means. What and you're told you, to go home. Yeah. What do you do next? Cause you're probably still well, in DKA. So I, well, I, I still was. So they gave me, I guess, two bags of fluid and a antibiotic for the kidney infection I had. Hmm. And they sent me home. Like, you know what I mean? To, and they told me if I have any more problems to come back in, but I waited seven hours 
to get in there kind of thing. So had, had, am I, I remembering this right? Wait a minute. Had you been on an antibiotic right before this as well? Well, back in March, March. when I first got sick there with the upper respiratory infection. Okay. So you had back to back antibiotics. They said, I'm sorry, I cut you off. You sent they sent you home. So they sent me home with it and then it wasn't working. Like I was they did they gave me a uh, we called a blood glucose meter, mm -hmm. um, the one touch or whatever. They told me to go to the pharmacy and get it. And I was taking what they told me, but my sugar wasn't coming down. And it just like, I could get it to 13, but then it would go right up again. And then I was crashing down to 1.8. And then I was going back up because no one had told me anything about pre-bolus carb counting, you know, write That's down your meals, figure out some stuff. It was just 10, 10, 10, 10. Well, that's not but, the only issue, Carol, in my opinion. Um, you can't you can't treat DKA with just the way people manage diabetes. Like you're you, you need to be hospitalized and that needs to be brought down kind of slowly. Um I a, guess yeah. from what I've learned is if I was a kid, I would have gotten that like a little better. Well, they wouldn't but have when thought I you were wrote type the two. hospital I actually wrote the patient advocate in the hospital authority. Uh-huh. And described my experience and told them, you know, this is not right. And did they, they wrote they back were and sorry apologized. And send you well, free maple syrup? Is that what they did? Pardon? Did they, did they apologize and send you free maple syrup? God, no. So <laughs> they apologized and they explained that, you know, they understand it shouldn't have happened. But unfortunately, it did. But because of COVID, you know, there's sometimes things happen. But the kicker is, is at the time we only had like four cases in our whole province. Yeah. They couldn't see, they couldn't see DKA because of COVID. That doesn't make sense. That's what they told me. It's right in the letter That's that because of COVID restrictions and the fact that they needed so many beds open in case the wave came that they were waiting for, they had to send me home. And because I didn't present as someone because of where I have so many other conditions, I'm so used to pain and stuff that I hold it well because mm -hmm. I always have a little bit. So yeah. the body aches and the headaches and stuff, I wasn't in there crying and losing my mind because it was the first time I had ever felt it. I can take it because I'm used to being in pain sometimes. So where I didn't present as someone in high distress, they felt that that was another reason to send me home. Yeah, but the A1C is enough to stop like anybody like that. That's enough. Whether it's yes. type two or type one, or you're complaining or you're not complaining. I, I, oh, it's not the first, like, this is not the old, if you, if you think that's bad, the rest of it's going to blow your mind. Okay. Givoke Hypopen has no visible needle and is the first pre-mixed auto-injector of glucagon for very low blood sugar in adults and kids with diabetes, ages two and above. Not only is Givoke Hypopen simple to administer, but it's simple to learn more about. All you have to do is go to gvokeglucagon.com forward slash juice box. Gvoke shouldn't be used in patients with insulinoma or pheochromocytoma. Visit gvokeglucagon.com slash risk. Have you checked out touchedbytype1.org? You haven't? Why? You trying to make me look bad? Is that what this is about? This personal between you and I? Because if it's not, head over there. 
touchedbytype1.org. Just pick around a little bit, look at their programs, see what they do. Learn about their D-Box program. If you're newly diagnosed, you're gonna love it. I, 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 I don't ask a lot, you know what I mean? Touchedbytype1.org, check it out. Follow them on Instagram, follow them on the Facebook machine. All right, that's it. We're getting back to the show. Quick uh, quick ads. You like it? Huh? Of course you do. You say, Scott, thank you for keeping the ads quick. It's my pleasure, really. Of course, I'd be remiss if I didn't say, have you gone to t1dexchange.org forward slash juicebox yet? Hmm, have you? t1dexchange.org forward slash juicebox. If you're a U.S. resident who has type 1 diabetes or you're a U.S. resident who is the caregiver of someone with type 1, you can take a quick less than 10 minute survey that will help people living with type 1 diabetes and support this podcast t1dexchange.org forward slash juicebox and as the music winds down i'll remind you to check out the private facebook grade grade private facebook grade the five boy the private facebook page for the juicebox podcast it's called juicebox podcast type 1 diabetes over seventeen thousand people just like you talking about type 1 right there in the privacy of that page. It's just another lovely benefit of listening to the Juicebox Podcast. There's links in the show notes. Links at juiceboxpodcast.com. Let's get back to Carol. So after I got through all of that and I finally, I had to go back because my sugars wouldn't come down properly because the metformin was making me super sick. I couldn't keep food down, but I'm on all this insulin. So I'm going super low Mm -hmm. and I go back to the hospital and they make me wait and emerge again for another six hours. But every time I go into emerge because of diabetes, all the symptoms of diabetes are the same as COVID. So every time I go, I have to get tested. I have to get isolated. And they still, once it's only diabetes, they just quickly do something and they sent me home. So they can't. So, so if you, even if you come back it, the same process, happens. I came back crying the second time I came back because I didn't know how much to use. Right. And they told me that it was going to be, they told me to check my sugars and my sugars at the time, I think were 20, 21. Hmm. And they told me that it wasn't that bad. My, my vision was getting kind of spotchy. And I was getting the tinglys in my hands and feet. And they told me again, but because of, you know, there's no beds, there's no doctors available that they couldn't help me. All they could do is just, you know, watch me while I wait kind of thing. This is a people hospital, and, right? This wasn't for elk and moose and stuff. And you just happen to be close to it. This is for people. Nope. This yeah. is our city hospital. Oh, congratulations. And yeah. <laughs> so I got pissed off and I left. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. cause I'm like, okay, this is, and I sat in the parking lot of the hospital and that's when I started looking up stuff. I'm like, okay, if they're not going to help me, I'll, I'll do it. Like, and I kept telling myself in my head, I'm like, girl, you can build a car. You can build a house. You know what I mean? You can do all this stuff. You can figure this out. Right. And I still didn't know yet if I was type one or type two, because right. you have to wait 10 days for the results of these GAD tests to come through. Mm. And I put out my plea on type one and type two groups, Canadian groups. And then I found you guys. So I was reading a bunch of different posts and a lot of people's stories kind of related, but just obviously I'm a different age. And 
instead of just waiting for the doctor, I just started applying stuff. I'm like, either way, whether I'm type one or type two, like if I just do this, what they're talking about, what's this pre-bolus they're talking about? And, you know, me trying this and this and just, I just started slowly chiseling away at it. And I started, you know, first day, not so much day two, day three, I could see a little bit. And I was like, huh. And then all of a sudden they call me back and they're like, you're type one. And I was like, okay, cool. What now? And they're like, well, an endo should be in contact with you soon. So to me, when someone tells you, you know, they're going to contact you soon and you just got diagnosed with up here, it's a critical illness. Like I can actually claim it as a disability. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? So I can get a disability tax credit and stuff. So I waited for this call from this, you know, endo team that was going to help me out. A week goes by, no one. Two weeks goes by, no one. Now my spouse is getting mad. So he calls and he's like, you know, my spouse is, you know, waiting for a call from you guys. Cause he knew if I called, I'm going to lose my mind on them. So he was trying to, you know, be the calmer person. Right. And they said that they didn't have my file yet. And it would probably be about up to 30 days because of restrictions. They could only have so many people in office that day. And, you know, someone would get back to me. Well, that was, I got diagnosed June 3rd in 2020 when I had my first appointment with an endo team. It was November 15th, I think, 13th or 15th. That's five and a half months later. Yes. Oh my God. So, yeah. So, when people say that listening to your podcast was more than they learned, they're not joking. No. Because by the time I made it into my endo, I got myself a Dexcom from listening to your show. Wow. Because you had kept saying, get a Dexcom. And I'm very fortunate that my spouse is a veteran, like for Canadian military. Mm -hmm. So we have a very good medical plan. So I got my general doc, general, like family doctor to write me a prescription for Dexcom just to cover me insurance wise. Right. And I ordered the Dexcom. I ordered, started the subscription, $2.99 a month, and we just let it build up on our credit card. So when I finally got into the endo, they were surprised at the fact I had a CGM. Guess where my blood sugar was from listening to your show? Ooh, wait. At the time, 7.6 or 7.5, I think it was. Wow. From 18.3. No kidding. Good for you. And it was, and honest to God, it was no help at all from anyone up here. That's amazing. Yeah. I'm, I'm like stunned. I did not expect to hear this from you today. And so um, it, it really has put me back on my heels a little bit. I had no idea that, that something like this, I guess I hear people talk about it, but having it laid out like this is really something else. Oh, it, it gets even better. It can't, so, it, it can't be crazier so, than what you've just said. But nothing, unless, uh, I said it can't be crazier than what you just said, in a, unless it at some a point. Better. Are you going to ride a polar bear at any point in this story? <laughs> I wish I could. All right, never mind. I'd Go love ahead. to see a real polar bear. <laughs> but so after I finally get into them in November and I had to do blood work I think it was like a week before I went. So they had something to see when I went in. And that was something I requested. Like I told my family doctors, like, okay. And I luck in, she's really close. Like she's, um, she's not only our family doctor, but she's from the same village my spouse is from. Mm -hmm. So I can message her and be like, Hey, and I can get in a little quick with her, but she's very limited to what she can do. 
So I was like, hey, I have an appointment coming up with my endo. Can you put me in for some blood work and, you know, put this stuff on it? And at the time they had me on 50 milligrams of Synthroid. And I asked for my TSH to be checked because I had remembered you had said anything, you know, around anything at two it was. Yeah, over two. You, you need Synthroid. Yeah. And you also had made an episode about your wife you weren't sure and just threw her on some anyways. So how I got the Synthroid was my family doctor. I said, hey, I have all these symptoms. My tongue's swelling. My hair's falling out. Can you hook me up with some Synthroid? I know it's like, I feel like I'm talking to a drug dealer sometimes. <laughs> I'm like, you know, can you give me some of this so I can, you know, it's not going to kill me. And she goes, sure. And even with that 50, my TSH was still really low. So when I hit the endo, she was surprised at the fact that my A1C was low. I'm already on Synthroid. And she's like, holy shit, did you go to medical school? And I'm not even joking. I looked her dead in the eye. I said, no, I learned it from a podcast. <laughs> it's got to be embarrassing for the doctor, don't you think? She literally swallowed and looked at me. And she goes, "Oh my god!" Like, are you kidding? And I'm like, "Not at all." Yeah. Hey, <laughs> hey, you know what? She should know if she ever hears this. I didn't even go to college. <laughs> That's amazing. Because when I go into her office, there's all kinds. She's of, probably you know, got all kinds of stuff. diplomas and stuff. Yeah, dude. I barely finished high school, and I did trade school because I knew I could at least make some money and not have to go to school for a whole lot of time. And I literally, I am their unicorn patient because of you up here to get up here to get an insulin pump. So in order for me to go back to work, I had to have control of my diabetes because I work, you know what I mean? Up in like buildings and stuff. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I'm four stories in the air. I'm on zoom booms. God knows what I'm doing. So my boss isn't going to let me at work if I'm roller coastering. You know what I mean? Like they have, you know, empathy, you know what I mean? Like, so, but being MDI, it's very hard to do a vigorous job because you have to overcarb so you don't burn it. But then sometimes you don't do the work you think you're going to do. So next thing you know, you need insulin, but you're, you know, hanging up here doing whatever, and you don't want to pull out your pen. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. so it makes it very difficult. So at that November appointment, I literally walked in with a notepad. And I knew I owned that room, you know what I mean? Because I knew I was going in there fully loaded. Wow. And I told them straight out, I want a pump. And they're like, you can't get one for usually two years. I said, no. <laughs> I said, I've learned, you know, like as long as you have control, you understand MDI in case your pump fails, you know, I should be able to get a pump. I said, I have coverage. Why can't I get a pump? And they kept giving me, you know, well, we want to see it for at least six months. So I hit the six month mark and now my A1C 6.1 or 6.2 is almost below six. Mm -hmm. And I got my pump and they told me I am the first person that their clinic in Moncton, New Brunswick has ever given out a pump to under six years, under two years. Maybe they should learn something from that instead of just, instead of treating you. I was actually told by my, nurse that i missed my calling she's like you should have been a diabetes educator because they learn from me now because they they look at my we have diacend up here for my Mm t-slim and um unless i have a cheat you'll you'll probably see my posts on facebook where like i had lobster the other night oh yeah yeah. 
that was me. Yeah, I saw your lobster. And you look good. With that lobster, the lobster was great. It was protein. It hit me a little bit later, but the potato salad, the broccoli salad, and all the other stuff that I overate on kind of put me up to eight. But they told me they have never seen someone with pump control that I have. Oh, this and house I don't would kill have, them. If they were here, they'd have a stroke. <laughs> they wouldn't <laughs> they'd be like, what am I well, looking I've at? I've actually directed them to your Facebook group. Oh, thank you. And my nurse has listened to a couple, like just the part of the, the pro tip series. Mm-hmm. And she straight out told me, she's like, if I let my patients listen to that, they wouldn't know what to do. I said, then that's a problem on your end. Yeah. Carol, I said, because if I... they had the proper knowledge and education from you at the start going in, they wouldn't be so scared. Yeah. I said, because it's all fear. I said, because you guys don't teach anyone anything. Right. Let me jump in for a second and, and say something. First of all, I Googled Zoom Boom. They're really cool. Now I want one. And, <laughs> um, <laughs> and the other thing is this. So a little story that I think you said that the, you know, the, Somebody in your office said, you missed your calling. You're better at this than we are, that kind of stuff. It made me think of this. While my son was out trying to find a college to be interested in him for baseball, he had to go to all these um, workout things. And they'd play sometimes for days on these fields. And hundreds of kids would show up. And everyone you know, got the play. And he, you were being evaluated by all these colleges. And... Um, Usually on the last day, at the end of the day, they would run out of pitching before they'd run out of kids that had to hit. So they'd go into the dugout and say, can anybody throw a couple of innings for us so we can get, you know, get finished? And my son by then was exhausted and tired and wanted to go home. And he'd put his hand up and say, like, I'll pitch if it gets us out of here, you know, but, I, I'm, you know, I don't, I, I just, I'll, I'll do it. Right. So we'd go out and do it. And this would happen almost at every one of these things. And then they would catch us on the way out. And someone would grab him and say, hey, you know, you had one of the best velocities here today, or you threw harder than anyone else today. Um, how come you didn't work out as a pitcher? And my son would say, just because I throw faster than them doesn't make me a pitcher. It makes them not a pitcher. And yes. I feel that way about the story you told. Like, you know, you can't, That that is such a, it's such a bullshit things to say to somebody like wow you went out and learned more than us you missed your calling no well, you're not good at your calling they backtracked on it yeah, so you know once i got my dexcom and i allowed them to see my data no one's really taught me how to carb count yet mm-hmm. like i've gone to dietitians but they're still telling me the same you know um free foods this is where they killed me at the start was vegetables are free meat is free and only read the labels and you know, if it's not, if it's a fiber, just take away the fiber. You know what I mean? They never, ever talked about fat and protein. Mm-hmm. Like, oh my God, like if they would have told me about fat and protein besides just carbs, I think I would have brought my A1C down so mm-hmm. much quicker because I don't eat a whole lot of carbs. Right. Like we're not like a keto low carb host, but we like to eat well, like I said. So mm-hmm. But to me, eating well was eating chicken, eating, you know, pork, beef, avocados and stuff. But I didn't realize that all that fat and protein was affecting my diabetes. Yeah. And I couldn't figure out why I'm counting the carbs and I'm pre-bolusing and I'm doing everything, but I was getting that rise. And they kept telling me, well, you're doing something wrong. And I'm like, no, I did everything you told me to do Mm -hmm. and it's still not working. That's horrible. So thankfully, you and Jenny did 
the episode on fat and protein. No, I'm glad you like that. So I started listening to it. And then all of a sudden now I'm 90, 95% in range. Like I still got a spike. I mean, you can't be flat all the time, Yeah. but I have my ranges set between 3.9 and 9.5 at the time. Wow. And I was still in range like very well, but every now and then I would go low because they were just telling me to carb count one to 20. And that's that. And that was it. Yeah. One to 20. And it wasn't working for me. Hmm. So I had to start playing with it myself. But anytime I called them for help, I had 22 appointments canceled between June and I think it was February. The last time I counted like February this year. And it wasn't just in-person appointments. Like it was phone calls, zoom calls, like in person, like 22 appointments canceled. So I just, I gave up on my endo team and I just took everything in my hands. I think I drove my spouse nuts because I would listen to like your thyroid podcast. That one, that one was good. Cause that's how I got up to 150 milligrams of Synthroid okay. and got my TSH down to, I think it's one, 1. 1.5 or 1.6. That's excellent. Addy would be very happy with that number. Exactly. Yeah. But when I'm doing all this stuff, my doctors are getting mad at me because First, it was you brought your A1C down too quick. And then they got mad at me because I had a low here and there. And I'm like, instead of highlighting how good I've been doing, you call me to pick on me about one thing. Mm. I said, but on top of it, you didn't teach me anything, but you're getting mad at me if I make a mistake. And if I would have listened to them, I would have been high. But according to them, as long as I was between 8 and 12, they were okay with that. I have a um, an email here that came this morning from a pediatric endocrinologist, and I am hoping that they'll come on the show. And I can't, I don't want to tell you what it seems wrong to just use her words, um, but it, it it really makes me feel like you can reach these people, um, and that they that if they're in the right mindset to see it, that they might go, oh, wow, the thing I'm doing for people isn't really all that valuable. Um, maybe I should think about this a little differently. I'm I'm beginning to wonder as you're talking, if the sad part of your story, which was, you know, because of COVID, they kept like giving you the bums rush out of the facility over and over again. If that isn't what maybe eventually saved you, like is forcing you to pay attention to it I, for yourself. Well, I think it did. Like that was kind of the silver lining of it. But yeah. what makes me wonder too is I'm sure even beforehand, like most adults I talk to with type one up here, they don't know a whole lot because they ask me all the time. They're like, oh my God, like how are your numbers so well? Because I'm in like, you know, type one Canadian groups. And we always do the number share and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I, I'm not perfect, but you know, I mean, I, I keep some good lines right? and they wonder, you know, how do you do it? And it's amazing how it's pretty broad up here. The lack of basic education and knowledge, they kind of cookie cutter everyone up here. So people like me, when I ask questions and stuff, I've actually been written up as non-compliant. For, because I asked too many questions and I didn't just do as I was told. I actually had one team tell me I was going to kill myself 
by making my A1C as low as I was. Six? Below six. Like right now I'm at 5.8. And they told me anything below 6.5 is dangerous because that means you're having too many lows in their eyes. But my low percentage on my Dexcom is below 1%. Wow. Oh, you're doing great. And, and it's usually because I'm at work and, you know, I mean, I burnt through more car, you know what I mean? It's usually a car burnt thing. I'm still kind of learning that, mm-hmm. but yeah, sadly only my nurse really sees how good I'm doing, but the problem that they so have, I'm trying to think I could word it without being mean. The problem that they, over the years, they've given everybody such little help and information it would be kind of hard to take everything you guys do and start giving that to people. Like I have an ex-boyfriend who long before I had diabetes, actually I was dating him when I first started getting sick back in 2011 and he was a type one. And when I was with him, I cared about his diabetes to the point where I made him start eating right like me and eating at the market and really helped him in the three and a half years I was with him. So I find that that really helped me when I got diagnosed as type one, but I'm terrified of needles. So that was always my biggest fear when I got that, like when I get diagnosed that when I, I cried because I could not wrap my head around the fact that I had to give myself a needle now multiple times a day. You know, Carol, let me say it's incredibly interesting through 45 minutes of talking to you, you have never once complained about having so many ailments. No, that's amazing. Because honestly, how I take it is I lock in that I'm one of them people that I don't succumb to it. I own it. So even I was talking to my dietitian last week because of the Warsaw method. So that really worked out well for me along with like using, cause like I said, I eat a lot of fat and protein. So when you guys did that episode, I was like, boom, I was like, Oh my God, Mm. that was the puzzle piece I was missing. You know what I mean? Like to finally nail that spike, I couldn't get rid of. Did it feel extra good because Michelle was Canadian by any chance? Yes. (laughs) And when she was Canadian, I was like, yeah. (laughs) So when I, you know, I used it for like almost a week before I called my dietitian because they're kind of, I know they want to believe what I do, mm-hmm. but the problem is, is if they do, they'll probably be outed for doing it. Mm. Do you I know what you. I mean? Like no, I hear you. to think outside the box up here is really taking a chance because if everybody did what I did, they wouldn't know what to do. I don't think I have to say to anyone listening who's in the profession, if you are knowingly not helping someone, you are willingly hurting them. Yes. Thank you. Because they are, because they make us feel like we're overthinking. We're crazy. We should just sit back and wait and listen, but we know our bodies. Mm. And especially when someone who has multiple conditions comes in and tells you, I don't feel right. Listen to them. Because they've already been living with issues for times beforehand. You've been paying attention to this So what they've been doing for these past couple of years that was working, all of a sudden they come to you and they say, hey, this isn't working anymore. Don't just push it aside and try to up a pain med. Like, listen, because I can tell you that if I would have, they told me I probably had 
it's like type one diabetes bad. They said for probably at least two to three years, Hmm. but not really, really bad until probably about, they said probably eight months is when like the honeymoon ended enough to where my body couldn't keep up anymore. But during that time, no one listened to me. So when I was complaining about pain, they were like, oh no, it's this. Oh no, it's that. But I never changed any of my pain meds. All I did was get my blood sugar in control. And I can tell you that between getting that and my thyroid in check, I feel better now than I did before I ever complained about getting sick. May I say something? I, I think that the next step for me, if I'm you, is is your um iron still bad? Well, actually, my iron, how I got control of that was during this time period, no doctors were listening to me. Like mm-hmm. they were just, you know, pretty much treat me like I was just looking for pain meds because I'm a medical marijuana patient. Mm-hmm. So I have been for 12 years for pain because I don't, they gave me a lot of narcotics when, you know, I mean, opiates were first introduced and were yeah. safe to use, they said. And then when I started getting addicted to them, they blamed me. So when I called them for help, they were like, well, you asked for them. And I'm like, oh, no, you are not pulling that shit with me. Carol, Canadians are supposed to be friendly. What's going on here? Well, we, we are to other people, I guess. Sometimes not to each we're not other. To our own people. <laughs> but so I was like, okay. And I, I was already smoking weed recreationally because mm-hmm. I was a single parent of two kids. <laughs> and I'm not a drinker. So it, it was kind of like, like as good like, as as any. <laughs> oh, my God. Like some women use... I use wine, Xanax, you know, walking the dog. Me, I need a joint. <laughs> I gotta stop. I have to stop you for a second. Was walking the dog a euphemism, or did you really mean going out and walking the dog? No, like really mean walking the dog. Like friends of mine are like, oh my god, I took the dog for a walk today, and I feel so much better. And I'm like, no, I own a bulldog, so I don't have to walk it. I totally Very thought you fair. meant. I totally thought you meant your. And I'll just bleep that out. Later. <laughs> It's like it's 100% what I thought you were saying. Well, you can so. after dark that part if you want. Yeah, but. Yeah. <laughs> but so where I was a medical marijuana patient, a lot of doctors didn't like that either because I wasn't taking the pain meds. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of a catch-22 because I knew it worked, but it wasn't because, as you know, weed only became legal here, I think, what, like five years ago, six years ago? Okay. When Trudeau got voted in which i didn't vote for by the way but um <laughs> yeah 2014 i think it was so i took his weed when, but i didn't like him <laughs> yeah well well it's not even paid for is the worst part like even though i have a medical prescription for pain i have to pay full price for my weed oh they won't cover even it though i have a prescription system. for it the only way in which i can get help is i can claim it on my taxes as a medical expense okay but if i had cancer I would get it paid for. And if you're a veteran in the military, you get it paid for. That's interesting. Line but if you don't use it for anything, you know what I mean? Like mm. it's very limitedly paid for up here. It's supported for use, but you have to pay for it. So they would pay for all my pills and stuff, but they won't pay for my CBD oil. But with the pills, I take the pills. I need another pill. Now I need a pill to sleep. Now I need a pill. To, you know what I mean? Like yeah, they're happy they'll pay to for pay all for that, the pills, but they yeah. won't pay for the CBD oil. Yeah. So, well, the CBD oil company needs to get a better lobbyist and then that would be covered too. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm hoping one day it happens, but not yet. Gotcha. So I take a drug called Cosentix. It's a biological drug. That's how I got around having to take a lot of pain meds because it's one injection. But I've learned now being diabetic, it causes a lot of insulin resistance. Mm -hmm. 
So I have to make a special profile, double my basal. And, but my doctor's thought I was crazy. So I got diagnosed with the pain conditions and everything. And they wanted me on this biological drug. But I just got diagnosed with diabetes. And I didn't want to do, you know, deal with diabetes, throw this biological drug in. You know what I mean? Like just, yeah. I didn't want to dump that much into my body fire at the time. So I just dealt with the diabetes. And I was like, I'll get to the pain because I've already been dealing with pain so long. You know what I mean? Like I can wait a little bit longer. You just named the episode. Did you hear yourself do it? Did I what? You just named the episode. Did you hear yourself do it? No. Body fire. Nice. Yeah. That's it. You just named (laughs) it on your own. But the thing was, is after, once I started getting my diabetes in control, I didn't have as much body pain. Hmm. So I went from needing like, I think it was 600 milligrams of this drug. Now I'm down to 150 because having my blood sugar in control and my thyroid in control really lessened my pain. But we didn't answer the question, did we, about your iron? Where's your iron level at now? Your ferritin. Do you know? I don't know, but they told me it's perfect. They don't listen to them. Because, well, they also see, told I listened you to this doctor. The reason why I listened to this certain doctor okay. is because he's the one who found it. When no other doctor would listen, he was a pain clinic doctor. And he's like, look, he's like, you are on enough medication to kill a small animal if right. you add it all up, really. Yeah. He's like, something else is fueling this fire. Right. Let's do a full blood panel. We're going to check your iron. We're going to check everything. And he put me on an iron infusion. Oh, good for you. That's what I was going to say. So, but I laugh because where you keep doing the maple syrup reference is it looks like maple syrup in an IV bag up here. I think it looks like rusty water to me. Well, up here, just when I first see it, it begins with a V. I can't yeah. remember the name of it. Uh, Venifer. That's it. Yeah. And uh, yeah, when they first hooked it up to me, I was like, oh my God, it looks like maple syrup in a bag. And she kind of laughed. And I was like, it's my Canadian super sauce kind of thing. Like, <laughs> Tell her, listen, I don't want to inject it. Can you mix it with snow and I'll eat it like a lollipop? <laughs> uh, pretty much. But after I got three injections of that, yeah, that was, a, that was last summer. So it's been almost a year. My iron has, and it's him that's checking it. You know what I mean? Not just my general mm-hmm. practitioner. Good. It's that doctor. You know what I mean? So I... Since he was the one who found it, and so I really trust you know, I mean, him looking at it. I see so many other doctors, I lose track sometimes of right. who, you know what I mean? Like what, what is sometimes, but he told me, he was like, you are like right where you, where you need to be. Because I was borderline of going to get a hysterectomy because I was getting such bad periods that they were saying, oh, it's, it's your period causing your anemia. So I did the epilation first and then that didn't work. Because I still got one in a way. Wait, you lasered? And you lasered your lady business, and you still got your period? Yeah. Wow. And that's when this doctor was like, "Okay, no, like something's wrong here." Because they told me if I was to go get a hysterectomy, my blood levels were so low, I would have had to get a blood transfusion before and after the surgery. And I was like, "Okay, I'm not comfortable." Like, you know, I mean, something that ain't right. That sounds pretty risky. And he goes, "No, no, no." He goes, "Before we do that, like, let's try this." And after I did the iron infusions, he came back in, I think it was like two months and four months later and did follow up blood work. And I didn't have to get the hysterectomy. I would t- I have to get the blood transfusion. Yeah. I'm not a doctor, which I think is obvious to anybody who listens. Uh, but if you have any kind of autoimmune stuff going on or in general, you're a lady and you feel run down, tired, you're a little snappy with people, um, confused foggy get dizzy anything like that oh my god get your iron checked get your iron checked and 
don't take it's in range as an answer. Listen to what Addy said no. in the thyroid episode. If you're a uh, if you're a woman of baby making age, over 70 at least. And um if you want your, you know, if you want to feel well, uh, I'm a huge proponent after I found out that my iron was low and saw what havoc it was wreaking on my life. And now, um, you know, every day uh, I walk around here like a pill pusher with vitamin D, uh, oh, yeah, 100%. An, an iron, uh, an azorbic acid, a couple of different vitamins. I just walk around and just leave them. See, I take the men's centrum because the women's centrum has extra iron. Mm-hmm. And where I got the infusion, I didn't want to like give myself too much. Right. Oh, so, no, I understand. It's like it's like gassing up your car and you don't want it to get too low, much. but you don't want it to overflow. It's like putting a little octane boost in your body. Like every now and then you see people pour those little additives in your car. I find it's like the yeah. same thing. Like no, no. Your body is only what you put in it. You know what I mean? You can only get out of it what you put in it. Mm. I just watched an iron infusion bring Arden back to life again. So we got... That's crazy. Yeah, it... it um. What what had happened to her was low iron. We got an infusion. Didn't realize the low iron was because of like crazy periods. So we pumped her iron back up, watched her feel better, and we're like, we fixed it. And then it went back down again. We're the like, next one, yeah. yeah. And we're like, wait, what happened? Then we started really talking to her. So she was young and she wasn't really saying a lot, but we started noticing like she was going through like a lot of like, like accoutrements for a period of time and okay. um and we were like what's going on and it was turned out she was getting her period for 11 days in a row and then oh get, getting a break for a couple of days and then getting it again wow and it was just happening over and over and over again so that poor girl it, oh my god it took us a month to figure out what to try to do then we decided to put her on birth control then the first birth con- first birth control they gave her wasn't strong enough they made us use that for 2 months before they said to up it so by the time we got to the birth control that was right we were 4 or 5 months into it um it took a couple of months on that birth control to l- regulate her periods and then we got her another infusion and then the infusions don't work right away so now no. just in the last 2 weeks has she started feeling she's starting acting like herself again. She's not dragging all over the house and stuff. So it's crazy. It's what like iron, like low iron can do to you. Yeah. It, it's literally like you're dying and yet mm-hmm. it's not enough that you would notice it because of that. It's that slow fall that you don't notice you're falling. You know, you just, you Pretty get a, much a until you're work. at the edge and you can't fall anymore. Right. And then you're just out of your mind. And then people are like, why when, are you such a jerk? When I got my iron infusion, I got my first one June the 1st. And I went in to emerge in DKA on June the 3rd. And part of what my pain clinic doctor said, what happened was, is my body was so dead. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it was just, I was, they told me I was borderline of a coma. And when I got that iron, he said, I gave myself something good really fast and my body didn't know what to do. And that was kind of the, the straw that broke the camel's back, even though it was healthy help, it's still, my body just There's didn't know so what much to going do. On. You know, you really might a year from now be a different person. I think so. Yeah. It's interesting. Um, you, but, you, yeah, you know what I mean? Like you put out the body fire and now like, let's wait and see how, because even like when you get an infusion, it doesn't work immediately because your body has to, your body's constantly making red blood cells. And prior to you having enough ferritin, iron in your system, et cetera, your body was making these cells with incomplete building blocks. And now, exactly. it, and now it makes new ones with the, the correct amount of ferritin in your system. Well, he told me that's why he did it at two, four and six months was to watch the progression of it, I guess. Yeah. 
because he would be because some people need it for more than three months. I did three months. And luckily, I haven't needed any more. You know what I mean? Yet. Mm -hmm. And my iron's still good. Like, I just had my blood work done about two weeks ago at the clinic down here. And my, like, they told me my iron was still good. Yeah. My TSH is below two. My A1C is 5.8. Oh, Carol. And yeah, but compared to what I was last year, like, I already feel like a whole different person. You almost made me cry. And this, the conversation was not going like that. You just rattled off your numbers and I got a little misty here. I'm so happy. But for it's you. crazy that, and my doctor team, like my team knows it, that if I would have listened to them, I would not be where I was. Yeah. So if I would have, you know what I mean? Like if I would have did the 10, 10 and 10, now I get to wait three months for a follow-up appointment to make a change. Right. Then you got to wait, you know what I mean? Wait, wait, wait. So in order to get where I am, listening and waiting for appointments it would have taken me a couple years yeah i did it i got to where i needed to be without before i even got a chance to see them i demand that those people send me two months of their salary what do you think of that (laughs) (laughs) well and the even worse here like up here on this side of canada not a lot a whole lot of people have type one because i mean there's not a whole lot of like it's not a big population here okay. but no one in my clinic had a t-slim so when i did my training mm-hmm. my endo nurse sat beside me and did hers too you guys did it together well that's nice yeah at least, at least that's and a- it was funny well it was funny because before you do it they send you a thing that says watch all these videos and I was already like, I mean, oh my God, I'd already listened to your podcast three times over. You know what I mean? Like right. I was ready for this pump and we get in there and the woman's talking and she's asking like, you know, page six questions. And I looked right at her. I'm like, girl, I have an hour. Did you read the book and watch the videos? Like she told us to like, uh-huh. you're messing with my time here. <laughs> I have an hour and then it takes me four years to come back and see you again. <laughs> Pretty much like God <laughs> and the trainer just laughed because she couldn't believe from listening to your podcast, how advanced I was. Like we got to talk about, you know, really in-depth stuff because for my training, because of COVID, it was done by zoom. Mm-hmm. So they sent me my pump. I didn't get the, you know, the, in, the, um, the saline test or anything. I was literally just, you know, sent it. They watched my Dexcom. They looked at my blood work. The doctor did up her numbers. And that was what I had to wait for. And it took two and a half months to get her to do that. It took so long that literally I got tired of waiting. And I started looking up how to do it yourself. The whole math theories of your times and things by 1800 and dividing by this and figuring out my own correction factors. It was my first pump. So I needed to figure out correction factors and hourlies and you know what I mean? All that stuff. And yeah. I just, for curiosity, I made a list of what I thought it was. And I'm closer to, cause I'm now, I, I got my pump March 11th. So I'm two-ish months in and my pump is closer to the values that I figured out than where my endo team had me. Well, I'm glad for you. That's really lovely. But again, perfect. it's one of those lack of education and doctors always tell you, don't listen to what you hear and find on the internet but if i wouldn't have listened to what i found on the internet i would have died well carol let's be fair a lot of the things on the internet are ridiculous this podcast is they are but if you have common sense you could figure out the difference 
you can figure out the difference between fact and bullshit. No, but now we're asking for everybody to have common sense. That might be. That's the thing. Like I know, say a thousand people watch the same thing, you know, maybe 10 of them are going to have common sense, but doctors should be able to, you know, kind of tell the difference in a little bit too. Like if you're scared that your patient knows more than you, don't ignore your patient. Yeah. And maybe try to figure because out what they that's know. How they, what they did to me. Like when I was doing things that they couldn't believe how I got there, but I didn't do it their way. They just ignored me when I would call or I'd get the, you know, you're doing better than we could help you with. Why are you calling us? Yeah. You got to do better than that. I have ADHD. So it's one of those, I strive for like, I'm very competitive. So my time and range, it has a hundred percent possibility. So if I only have 90%, that means I have 10% failure. Like that's how I look at it. So to me, that means I can be better. There's room for improvement. Exactly. But when you don't have the support, like I understand that, you know, not everybody cares as much as I do, but there should be help or resources available for the people who actually do care. Well, not yeah, just treat everyone and educate everyone like they don't care. Right. Well, there should be resources for everyone. and But there's not really. Like when you leave up here as an adult, like I said, I was sent out within 12 hours. I was given no follow-up, no courses, no counseling. I was given a pamphlet in November when I finally made it in. Mm-hmm. And it had very basic stuff in it. And it had all these free food ranges where, you know, these, you can eat these and you don't get to worry about it. And everything in that book to me was bullshit mm. yeah. because I had learned and proven to myself that that isn't right. But if I questioned it, I'm non-compliant. It would actually write you up. That's interesting. Oh, yeah. Got like a slip in your file. Yeah. So it got to the point that I just, I don't really, I call them, I just call them if I need prescriptions now. You should start like, writing them up. You should, it should be. Well, it doesn't really do any good up here. Like I've tried on other issues I have and yeah, you're better off just to pat, pat yourself on the back and realize that, you know, you figured it out and good for you. Let, let the rest of it go. That's really, yeah. that's good advice. Um, but yeah, that's our, yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> that's why sometimes I'm like, everyone's like, oh, you, we need healthcare like Canada. I'm like, oh, if you guys do it, please do it better than we did. Yeah. Well. <laughs> we but, have great insurance, but there's no private here. So if I lived in Quebec, I could get better care because there's a private clinic. If I lived in Ontario, there's a private clinic. But on the East Coast, there's no private clinic. So even in a scenario where they are providing free health care for everyone, you're saying that where you can spread some money around, you find more competent people. Yes. Yeah. Well, you find people who are more like your thyroid doctor. Remember the one you had on who actually like... Addie. Yeah, she's Because up here, when you get in to see a doctor, it's not like they even read your file. Because I've even had to like ask them, you know, like, have you read my file? Like, if you try and give me that, I know that's going to go against this other medication I'm on. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, yeah, no, like, it's so rushed here and it's so overbooked and stuff that you can't completely blame the doctor. It's the structure of the healthcare system itself. I see. Because there's so little doctors and nurses here that they don't have time to give a shit because they only have 20 minutes with you. And if you're lucky, you get that 20 minutes because Usually, if you go to a doctor's appointment, say your appointment's for one o'clock, I get there 10 minutes early. 
I probably don't get in until quarter after 20 after one. Mm -hmm. So now I'm going into someone else's appointment, but yet at one o'clock they booked in someone else too. So that doctor is expected to see two people in that time span. How do you get adequate help and service with someone who doesn't even have time to read your file before you talk to them? When you come back, do you see the same person or do you see a different person? You see the same person, but it's another one of those, unless you stick out, it's just they cookie cutter you out the door. It's blah, blah, blah. Like, yeah. Sometimes they don't even have time to look you in the eye. Well, it's a hard you know job. I mean? Like, I mean, it's a difficult job. I mean, I wouldn't want to oh, say 100%, otherwise. Yeah. But a lot of people always want to blame the doctor, but I know it's not all because the doctor I have now, the end, no, she's awesome. Mm-hmm. But the problem is, is she's, it took me a bit to get her, but she's so overworked that I get calls from her at seven o'clock at night. She emails me. I have her cell number because she knows that. You know, I don't mind the after hours help. And she knows that when she helps me, I'm going to use it. Right. Plus it's you know, taken her that long into her day. Time, so she knows yeah. I appreciate the time she has to give me. Yeah. But it's so bad up here for appointments. And this was before COVID that thankfully because of COVID doctors can call you now instead of always seeing you in office. Mm-hmm. My rheumatologist the other week called me at 830 at night. Cause I agreed to an after hours call huh. at eight 30 at night. You know what I mean? I'm not expecting a call from my specialist, right, right. but that's the only time he had time to call me, but I had time to talk to him. It wasn't rushed. You know what I mean? Like I got a 40 minute call with him. Sure. Wow. So it is one good thing, but not every doctor has that time either. Mm-hmm. Cause up here, like everyone, you know, ex- I think everyone thinks like, our free healthcare is this big, like, you know, you just go in and you get health whenever you want. And do you know what I mean? Like it's, it's free. Yeah. We don't pay for it, but you have to wait. Yeah. Everybody wants to imagine that something that sounds better is better. And I'm not saying I am genuinely not saying healthcare shouldn't be, um, uh, you know, free. I, I think I think it should. I, and but I think you're also being crazy if you don't it imagine equal. Yeah, yeah. Like, you're you're also being crazy if you don't imagine that people who have more money to throw around aren't getting better service. Like forget healthcare for a second. Um, you know, if I go into McDonald's, oh, hundred percent. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. I know a personal experience where I know someone who needed an MRI. Now me, I can't afford to pay for an MRI out of pocket. They're I think fifteen, eighteen hundred bucks out of pocket. That's a lot of money. And then if you have insurance, you know what I mean? Like you can submit your receipt or whatever. So if you go into a doctor and they're like, okay, you need an MRI, but we can't get you in for six months. If you can't afford to go to the private place here in New Brunswick and pay that, you got to wait that six months. Mm-hmm. But if you're the person who can go in and the doctor says, you got to wait six months and you're like, no, 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 no. I'll just go pay for it next week. You'll have it. Yeah. They will actually call the MRI office and you'll get in, they'll squeeze you in because they know you're serious. That's how they take, like I find in my own personal experience that when I threaten to pay for something or do it on my own, they take that as, oh my God, she's serious. And then they kind of rush it a little bit more. It's interesting. It's, it's like, it's the version of giving $20 to the maitre d' and saying, please don't put me near the bathroom. It is. But yeah, when yeah, they yeah. say, you know, like it doesn't matter or whatever, but in a way it does, because if you threaten to do it yourself, they don't want you to do it yourself they'll find a way to get you in like i've gone from having to wait six months being told we can get you in tomorrow Mm. just seems like if it takes six months to get an mri 
if you bought one more MRI machine and hired a few more people, then it would take three months, which then would make me think if we bought another MRI machine, you know, like maybe just a couple of MRI machines and some technicians is the answer. It is, but I don't know if you pay attention to how Canadians waste money on absolutely the stupidest things ever. But um, yeah, that's why we don't have any money for those said MRI machines, because we give away a lot of money and spend a lot of money on stupid things. Are you talking about that game where you push the thing on the ice? Like, oh, hockey? No, no, not that one. What's the one that um, that was funny, but that's not what I mean. What is it? uh, Shoot. What is it called? Ringette? Oh, I don't, I mean, you can keep guessing if you want, but let me, it's an Olympic game. We have lacrosse, oh, no, but you'll play that ice, I guess. Oh, oh wait, here it is. I found a picture of it. I'm going to click on the picture and see what they call it. <laughs> that, By the way, everyone, that's how the internet works. Um, <laughs> <laughs> curling. Oh, curling. Yeah. Is a lot they of money throw the rocks and stones around and try to get it in the circles there at the end. It's mesmerizing to watch on television. <laughs> it is, but it's one of those sports you're like, it's kind of like watching. To me, it's like watching someone play poker or play pool like or darts. You're just like, why? But you can't help but watch because it's so cool how they can actually, you know, glide that stone thing right where they need it to go. It's amazing. It really is. I'm assuming we wouldn't have this if it wasn't for Canadians. It looks like two kitchen mops and a stone with a handle on an ice thing. And it's fantastic. Kind of like sliding a kettle, like one of those old kettles you used to see on like wood stoves back in the day, like slide one of those. Oh down my the ice. God. It's wonderful. It really is. Um, <laughs> Carol, listen, I want to thank you. things that amuse Canadians. Yeah. I want to thank you for doing this. You were terrific. Um, I, I thought you did a really good job of presenting what was happening to you. Um, I, there's something about our connection where I couldn't talk too much cause you would talk, you would like just keep going or that was your ADHD. I'm not hundred percent sure which one it was, but I'd it, say a little bit of column A and B, but it worked fantastic for this because you just did such a good job and, um, you were answering questions as I, like, I'd get a question in my mouth and you would keep talking. I was like, Oh, she's got this. So, um, is there anything though that we didn't talk about that you wanted to, that didn't come up? I want to ask before I let you go. Not really, just to, I don't know, just to remind people that if you are, like, if you're a parent or say you're listening and you're like a friend of someone, mm-hmm. don't think that you can't get diabetes, type 1 diabetes, just because you're not under 21. Yeah. And you're not in perfect health or whatever. Because I think I got it because I had a serious infection and stuff. And if you have other autoimmune diseases, always watch for piggyback diseases. Yeah. Because everything's an umbrella from what I learned. Like it started off as one, then it developed into two and everything's related. Mm -hmm. So don't ignore anything and don't ever let your doctor like dismiss you. Like if you honestly believe it, fight for it. A huge thank you to one of today's sponsors, Gvoke Glucagon. Find out more about Gvoke Hypopen at gvokeglucagon.com forward slash juice box. You spell that G-V-O-K-E-G-L-U-C-A-G-O-N dot com forward slash juice box. I'd also like to thank Touched by Type 1 and remind you to go to touchedbytype1.org and find them on Instagram and Facebook. 
And of course, t1dexchange.org forward slash juicebox. Go take that survey. I swear to you, take you less than like eight minutes. You can do it right there on your phone. Thank you so much for listening. I'll be back soon with another episode of the Juicebox Podcast.